you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Today, we're going to be talking about Jehovah's Witnesses being ordered by the leadership to not take treatment for the virus. Then we're going to talk about Christians lashing out at a Kentucky governor over an executive order he pushed through before Easter Sunday took place. Then we're going to talk about Fauci praising the gay community right in front of Mike Pence. But before we get into all of that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget... If you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Um, hi, Owen. This is, um, my name is uh, Kelvin, and I live in Texas. And uh, I've, I was calling to ask a question about what's your opinion on mainly creationists in the United States using their religion to influence politics and how you think that could be Thank you. Bye. Yes, thank you for the question. It's a really good question, actually. From my understanding, religions getting involved in politics at all is actually against the law. They're not supposed to be involved in politics at all. They're not supposed to endorse specific candidates or any of that stuff. And if they do, legally, from my understanding, they're supposed to lose their tax-exempt status. Unfortunately, we basically have a government that doesn't give a shit about the law when it comes to religion. So... For the most part, religions really don't face any kinds of consequences from their actions like that. They should, but they don't. And it's absolutely disgusting. I just hope to see the day when religions are held accountable for the things that they do. I feel like I'm probably never going to get to see that day. And honestly, at this point, I'm ready to jump ship and move to Canada. But that's not an easy move. So for this immediate moment, I'm stuck here dealing with and watching this bullshit unfold in front of me. Hey, my name is Ryan from Ohio. I just had one quick question. My aunt is actually a teacher. She's getting ready ready to retire. And I came out as an atheist to her this, this past spring, or this a few months ago. And, and she, you know, long story short, she told me she would make her kids stand at a public school, school for, yeah, for prayer and that, all that fun stuff. I didn't know how to respond and would love to hear what you had to say. Thank you. Okay, so to summarize, from my understanding, this person's family member, this person's relative is a school teacher who is trying to make a case for prayer in schools and all kinds of other stuff. Basically trying to insert religion into the school system. And they don't know how to respond to that. So, there are two ways to respond. The first way is aggressively. That is going to feel really good to respond aggressively. I know that it feels good to, like, show them and and explain to them just how obnoxiously stupid that is. But it really depends on your goals, how you want to respond. If you want to respond aggressively like that, option A then you can't really expect to make progress. Getting angry like that doesn't really... that People just shut off. They just stop listening when you get angry. And they get angry too, and now you're just butting heads and, and you're not moving forward. Option B would be to non-confrontationally ask general questions to lead them to the same conclusion as you, which is to say, in this specific case, prayer is not banned from schools right now. People are more than welcome to pray to their heart's content. Faculty are not allowed to lead students in prayer. They aren't allowed to sponsor one religion over another, basically. That is the distinction that is not being made by people right now. So, The point is, if you want to make progress with people, you have to non-confrontationally lead them to the same conclusion as as you. If you don't really care and you just want to piss them off and hurt them, then you can be aggressive. That's that's option. That's the other option if that's what you wanted to do. Generally, I I lean toward the non-confrontational approach because 
by being aggressive, you're only doing more harm to the movement, generally speaking. So, anyway. Hey, this is Kirsten from New York. I was just curious, if you could know everything about one subject, what subject would that be? Why would you want specifically that subject to know everything about it? Yeah, just curious. Bye. Okay, there's a lot of, uh, there's an interesting rabbit hole to go down with this one. So I think just right off the bat, I would say psychology. And the reason I would say psychology is the subject that I would want to know everything about is because if I knew enough psychology, I could probably convince people that they were incorrect or I could show them that they were incorrect about things and and maybe change the world for the better but here's an interesting uh point to think about with this Stephen Hassan when he was learning his deprogramming techniques started studying neuro-linguistic programming NLP or basically the art of subliminal messaging pretty much with the intent to try to deprogram cult members and he decided not to go down that road with it and the reason he decided not to go down that road with it is because it's 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 amoral it's outside of morality basically so when he was going to these classes to learn how to do neuro-linguistic programming he met a lot of used car salesmen, for example. They were all there learning how to manipulate people pretty much. So the question is, does the end justify the means? The ends justify the means philosophy is something that cults pick up on a lot. They can justify pretty much any action if it's in the name of good in their eyes, quote unquote, what they consider to be good. It's, I mean, you see it all the time with Jehovah's Witnesses. They take part in theocratic warfare. They will lie and cheat and manipulate and do whatever it takes to further the goals of the Watchtower Society because that's what they believe to be good. So if they are having an overall good effect by bringing... Uh, people into the religion, then whatever it took for them to do that is justified. That is the philosophy that they adhere to. So should we also adhere to that philosophy? And I believe, no, we shouldn't. And Stephen Hassan also believes, no, we shouldn't. We should have a sense of right and wrong and morality and ethics that cults lack if we go into a situation trying to manipulate people out of cults, then what did we really accomplish in the end? We're trying to save people from being manipulated by manipulating them? It, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. So ultimately, the question was, which subject would I want to know the most about? Human psychology would probably be my answer so that I could help people find their way out, but I would want to do it in a non-manipulative way. I would want to do it in a way that was honest and ethical. That's what I strive to do. Otherwise, I'm no better than the cults that I go after, basically. Hello, this is Aaron from Utah. I'm wondering if you think that hardcore football fans have cult-like qualities. Very good question, actually. Uh, since you bring that up, this is the influence continuum. Many of you guys have probably heard me talk about it before, but this was written by Stephen Hassan also, in addition to the bite model. You've got two sides to influence. You've got constructive influence and you've got destructive influence, right? In the constructive category, when you're dealing with people on an individual basis, person-to-person -person basis, the question is, are they encouraging you to be your authentic self? Are they encouraging unconditional love? Are they trying to help you follow your own conscience? Or are they trying to get you to base your moral system on their doctrine? Are they encouraging creativity and humor 
rather than fear and guilt? Are they encouraging free will and critical thinking rather than dependency and obedience? On the leadership level of this, are they psychologically healthy or are they narcissistic and psychopathic? Does the leader know their own limits or are they elitist and grandiose? Do they try to empower individuals or are they power hungry? Are they trying to be empowered by the individuals? Are they trustworthy or are they secretive and deceptive? Do they claim absolute authority or are they accountable? The original question was, do I think that hardcore football fans have cult-like qualities? And the answer is, they can, yes. They can have cult-like qualities, but are they destructively influencing people? Like, are they, are they being destructive in the way that they influence or interact with people, generally speaking? For the most part, I would say no. Uh, most football fans are not destructively influencing people. Or most football leagues, most football coaches or players or whatever are not destructively influencing people. So it's not really something that I worry about too much. Even if they do have cult-like qualities, they I wouldn't consider them a destructive cult largely and broadly. But I'm sure that there are some groups out there that are extremely destructive and, and extremely cult-like and should be addressed. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses being ordered by the leadership not to take treatment for the virus. So give us about 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the first article I wanted to take a look at is by The Friendly Atheist. It was written by Hemant Mehta. It's on the Friendly Atheist website, friendlyatheist.com. And the title is Jehovah's Witnesses, Members Must Reject Plasma Treatment or Else. This is pretty breaking news. It's a pretty big deal, and I really wanted to cover it. I feel like it's extremely important to talk about. So let's give the article a read and see what it has to say. On Wednesday, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued a statement regarding an experimental treatment for COVID-19. It involved convalescent plasma collected from people who have recovered from the disease. The FDA said that while the treatment had not been approved since experimental data was virtually non-existent, there were a few places where scientists or doctors could use it, including in patients with serious or immediately life-threatening COVID-19 infections. The thinking is that there are antibodies present in the plasma of recovered patients that could help current patients fight the virus. The problem is that Jehovah's Witnesses are reacting to this statement by saying it would violate the religion's rules to accept this treatment. I actually have a lot to say about this, so let's let's continue reading and I'll address the whole thing in just a minute. Jehovah's Witnesses have famously refused blood transfusion since 1945, even when they're needed to save their own lives or famously, to save the lives of their children. That's actually been a huge problem. They won't give their, they won't allow medical staff to give their children necessary medical treatment by giving them a blood transfusion. And the kids die as a result. That happens. That happens a lot, a lot more than I want it to. The religion's leaders are now saying plasma is included in that ban. The watchdog site JW Survey obtained a leaked memo from a Jehovah's Witness circuit overseer sent to local leaders. JW Survey is Lloyd Evans or the John Cedars YouTube channel. That's his website from my understanding. Something I want to make note of here. So straight up blood transfusions, which are necessary sometimes, medically necessary, have been banned since 1945 and are still banned. But they've been loosening up little by little over the years. So now blood fractions are acceptable. And they made that public, but they didn't really parade it around. So if you ask any normal Jehovah's Witness, are you allowed to take blood fractions? 
they would say, no, of course not. I'm not taking blood fractions, even though they are, because the, the Watchtower Society never posted it and made a big deal of it and said, hey, guys, this is, a, this is acceptable. This is okay. You can do this. So these people are actually dying because they don't even know the rules of the religion that they're in, first of all. And second of all, they're dying because they're stupid fucking rules in the first place. Pointless rules in the first place. So this is straight from the letter. The new directive from a Jehovah's Witness representative says, The blood issue. There's talk about the FDA allowing doctors to treat critically ill COVID-19 patients with convalescent plasma therapy. It would be wise to advise the publishers that it's understood that this is giving the patient the whole plasma of the person who has developed the antibodies, which would be unacceptable for a Jehovah's Witness. However, if the antibodies were extracted from the plasma, fractions, immunoglobulins, and then given to the patient, it would be a conscience matter for a Jehovah's Witness. Some doctors may view plasma as a fraction. Therefore, the publisher may need to explain their personal decision their personal decision. Is it a personal decision or is it a decision being made by the Watchtower Society? Are there consequences attached to their personal decision? Yes. They'll be disfellowshipped. They will lose everybody they ever knew and loved and cared for for the rest of their lives if they make this personal decision the wrong way. Let's continue reading. Some doctors may view plasma as a fraction. Therefore, the publisher may need to explain their personal decision not to accept any of the blood's four main components, one of them being plasma. Witness leaders appear concerned that amidst the pandemic dimensions of the coronavirus, some critically ill church members may be tempted to accept plasma therapy treatment. They're making a sacrifice to the Watchtower Society. They're sacrificing their lives to the Watchtower Society. That is something that God has only ever demanded a total of three times in the Bible and only ever followed through with twice in the Bible. Human sacrifice. He demanded human sacrifice when Isaac and Joseph, is that who it was? Or it was uh, Isaac and Abraham, sorry. Not, not, not Isaac and Joseph, it was Isaac and Abraham. I don't know why I blanked on that name. Taking him up to the hill, the angel stopped him right before he sacrificed his son. That was one human sacrifice that God demanded, but didn't follow through with. The second one was Jephthah was going to war and promised God that he would give over as a sacrifice the first thing to come out of his house to greet him when he got home, whether it be a dog or a cat or a person or whatever and lo and behold the first thing to come out of his house to greet him when he got home from the war that he won was his daughter now some may say well that wasn't exactly a demand for a human sacrifice that was a demand for a sacrifice that just so happened to be human and that's true that is very true but hypothetically speaking doesn't god know everything knows the past and the future and everything so god knew that Jephthah's sacrifice was going to be his daughter. So that was, that was another human sacrifice God demanded, and he actually did follow through with that one. And then the third human sacrifice in the entire history of God ever was Jesus. So, and Jesus wasn't actually technically human, was he? I don't know. I guess, I guess he was human. So that was the third human sacrifice ever demanded. Why would Jehovah's Witnesses think that Jehovah is demanding that they sacrifice their lives to him when he has never had a history of, of that ever in the Bible, except for those few times? Now he's demanding it en masse. He's demanding that everybody who gets sick sacrifice their lives to him, basically. That's not what's happening right now. They're sacrificing their lives to the Watchtower Society. The governing body is demanding this human sacrifice of its members. That's what's happening, and they're doing it. They're dying. They're dying for the Watchtower Society. It's extremely sad. I don't want to see anybody die. I actually got a lot of shit for saying this a while back. I didn't want to see Jehovah's Witnesses die from this. It was a video I released, I think, a week or two ago, I said, I don't want to see Jehovah's Witnesses die from this illness. 
and people said, that's not what I'm here for. You've changed. Uh, I don't know how you can defend them after everything they've done to you, so I'm unsubscribing. That's totally okay with me if you want to unsubscribe because I don't want to see anybody die from this. That's okay. I can sleep at night. I was a Jehovah's Witness once. You were a Jehovah's Witness once. If you get joy out of the idea that Jehovah's Witnesses might die from this illness, just think about where you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Where were you? When you were a Jehovah's Witness, should you have died from this when you were a witness? I mean, just think that position through. I was once a Jehovah's Witness knocking on doors and converting people, and now I am working against their cause. Every Jehovah's Witness that dies from this is one fewer activist that can work against the Watchtower Society in the future. It's one less human life. Forget how it would benefit us as a movement, as a cause. It's one less human life. And human life, to me, is valuable above all else. So go ahead and unsubscribe. That's fine with me. That's okay. I, I don't even want you here if you feel that way. Anyway, let me continue reading this. The directions say that a fraction, quote-unquote, of the plasma may be acceptable to use. But as far as the FDA is concerned, such slicing and dicing of the plasma to extract just the important stuff isn't an option yet. It's a pointless option. Why would anybody do that? That's such a waste of time and resources. Just take the fucking plasma. So this method is just off limits for practicing witnesses, writes Mark O'Donnell at JW Survey. For Jehovah's Witnesses, the difference between life and death might just be a centrifuge. I, I think it's probably a little bit more complicated than a centrifuge, uh, separating out the antibodies and things like that. Uh, I'm not super clear on the science behind it, but either way, it's a stupid thing. It's a stupid distinction to make, and it's a stupid thing to ban your members from doing. Just take the fucking plasma if you need it. It's so heartbreaking that these people are straight up going to die because the Watchtower Society has fallen on this side of the decision for some arbitrary reason. O'Donnell also notes the irony that believers may be allowed to accept plasma fractions, but they are still completely forbidden from donating any blood to help others. Leave it to religious leaders to see a potential response to COVID-19 only to write it off because it might violate a silly rule they made up decades ago. It's not just a random rule people can reject, either. If you're a practicing Jehovah's Witness who accepts blood or plasma, you will be disassociated, shunned, and unable to have contact with your own family, or your friends, or anybody you've ever known. Of all the ways I've seen religious leaders make the COVID-19 problem worse, it's appalling that Jehovah's Witnesses would rather let members die than receive an experimental treatment because it involves blood plasma. It's not even just about the idea that, you know, you can't talk to your friends or your family anymore or whatever else. It's, it's not even about that. I mean, that's bad enough. So this is from the God's Love book. And like I said, I read this on my video from my recent video. This is how you're supposed to treat disfellowshipped people and how you're supposed to treat people who are outside the religion more generally, not just as fellowshipped people. This is how it works in the religion. Let me read it. The disfellowshipping arrangement is really a loving provision from Jehovah. How so? Expelling an unrepentant sinner shows love for Jehovah's holy name and all that it stands for. Disfellowshipping keeps the congregation safe. Faithful members are protected from the unwholesome influence of willful sinners and can go about their worship knowing that the congregation is a safe haven from this wicked world. The strong discipline shows love for the wrongdoer. It may just be the jolt he needs to come to his senses and take the steps necessary to return to Jehovah. We cannot escape the fact that our close associates can have a powerful molding effect on us. Okay. So in the last paragraph, they're talking about not talking to somebody who's left the religion anymore. So literally everybody that you knew before is now gone from your life completely. You are kicked out on your ass. You've had the rug pulled out from under you. It is over. 
You don't talk to your mom, your cousins, your grandparents, your sister, your brother, anybody for the rest of your life. And it does not end there. This is the next paragraph. We cannot escape the fact that our close associates can have a powerful molding effect on us. It is vital, then, that we choose our associates wisely. By making Jehovah's friends our friends, by loving those whom God loves, we will surround ourselves with the best possible associates. What we absorb from them will help us to live up to our determination to please Jehovah. So it doesn't just end at not talking to disfellowshipped people anymore. Or it doesn't just end at you're not allowed to talk to your family members when you get disfellowshipped. They basically structure things in such a way that your entire social life, your entire life is built around this religion and adherence to the religion. You are not friends with outsiders. It doesn't happen. It happens in some rare cases, but if there is a member of the congregation who is friends with an outsider, they will probably be labeled bad association, and they will be what I call pre-shunned, like kind of not really associated with as much, not really allowed to have strong friendships within the religion. I mean, your your family largely kind of walks away before you're even disfellowshipped if you have outsider friends. You don't do it. You are all in or you are all out. There is no gray area with this religion. So if you do get a blood transfusion to save your life, if you get a plasma transfusion to save your life in this case with the coronavirus, you're fucked. You lose everything and everybody. Saying that you lose everything and everybody is an understatement. I'm trying to communicate how serious it is to be disfellowshipped and just how much you lose when you get removed from this religion. It's not something that you walk away from easily. It's something that people commit suicide over. They basically have to choose between having everything they ever knew and loved in their lives taken from them or dying. That's pretty much what Jehovah's Witnesses are being forced to choose between at this moment. It's extremely heartbreaking, and God, I just want to get these people out. I just want to get these people out of this religion. Anyway, let's take a uh, another 30-second break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a Kentucky governor pushing through an executive order that got him in some trouble. So give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled Conservatives Lash Out After Kentucky Governor Says Churchgoers May Be Quarantined. This is again by Hemant Mehta on Friendly Atheists. So let's read the article and see what it has to say. It was written April 11th. Kentucky has a statewide stay-at-home order, but it's unclear if churches are exempted from that rule, which means Easter Sunday could be a disaster for citizens. If people dare to attend a service in person with hundreds of other people, they could be putting everyone they meet at risk. Yesterday, Democratic Governor Andy Beshear warned people, not just Christians, but everyone, that he was taking the stay-at-home order seriously. He said that if there were any gatherings of more than 10 people, law enforcement officials would record all license plates and make sure you're quarantined for 14 days. It's for the sake of everyone's health. You can see it around the 3711 mark. Any individual that's going to participate in a mass gathering of, of any type that we know about this weekend, um, we are going to uh, record license plates and provide it to local health departments. The local health departments are going to come to your door uh, with an order for you to be quarantined for 14 days. That if you're going to expose yourself to this virus and you make that decision to do it, uh, it's not fair to everybody else out there that you might spread it to. Now, this is just an example of, of personal responsibility. And we're going to make sure that those uh, that are going uh, get notice. 
uh, that, that this will happen, uh, that if they're going to participate in the mass gathering, it's 14 days self-quarantined uh, at their home. Somebody makes that decision, okay, but understand that this is the only way that we can ensure that your decision doesn't kill somebody else, that your decision doesn't spread the coronavirus in your county and in your community. I am so 100% for that. Holy shit. I could not possibly be more in favor of that. I think that is such a good idea. So I think this guy's a Democratic governor. I could be wrong. I believe he basically took the Republican governor of Kentucky. He took his seat uh, very recently. It, I think it was the last election he took his seat. That is an extremely good idea. If you want to participate in Easter celebrations or whatever, breaking the rules, then we're going to record your license plate and basically enforce a 14-day quarantine on you so that you don't kill anybody else. It's a really, really good idea. I, I'm actually very impressed with that idea. Let's continue reading here. Just to summarize... Uh, this this is a quote from the video. Any individual that's going to participate in a mass gathering of any type that we know about this weekend, we're going to record license plates and provide it to local health departments. Local health departments are going to come to your door with an order for you to be quarantined for 14 days. If you're going to expose yourself to this virus and you make that decision to do it, it's not fair to everybody else out there that you might spread it to. This is just an example of personal responsibility. 100% agree. 100% agree. We're going to make sure that those that are going and get noticed that this will happen. And if they're going to participate in the mass gathering, it's 14 days self-quarantined at their home. Somebody makes that decision, okay, but understand that this is the only way that we can ensure that your decision doesn't kill somebody else. It's a really, really good decision that I think this governor made. I really like that a lot, but it unfortunately, it's still a risk for these people to go out anyways. They can mail a letter from inside of their home, and if they do, it very well may spread the virus to other people. Just mailing a letter spread it to the the postman or whatever, uh, who then spreads it to the guy behind the counter at the post office who's tossing it into a bin, who then spreads it to all of the other letters that are going to all of the other people that are in that bin. It's not even as simple as just forcing them to quarantine for 14 days because they still need food. They still need to go out. This is an extremely complicated situation. The only solution is for everybody to stay inside for 14 days. That is the only solution right now at this immediate moment. And the fact that these people are going out and, and celebrating their stupid fucking religious holidays is putting everybody at higher risk. It's like anti-vaxxers refusing to get vaccines or refusing to get their kids vaccinated. It's putting everybody around them at higher risk. This isn't just, this doesn't just affect you. This affects everybody around you. This isn't just your decision. If you wanted to be a fool with your own decisions, fine. But your right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. You don't have the right to fuck me over in some way. I have the right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and you don't have the right to step on that, basically. That's, that's my whole philosophy behind this situation. They want to have their liberty and go to church. Well, they're more than welcome to until it infringes on my rights to life. They can worship in the confines of their own home. God is supposed to be in your heart, not in a building, right? So act like it. Anyway, let's continue reading here. Somebody that makes that decision, okay, but understand that this is the only way that we can ensure that your decision doesn't kill somebody else. All of that is sensible. If you're going to spread a disease, you must be isolated from the public. But of course, conservative Christians who have no self-worth if they're not pretending to be persecuted, that's true, persecution complex, I talk about that in a model that I wrote recently, who have no self-worth if they're not pretending to be persecuted, are claiming Bashir and anyone else who's a Democrat, really, wants to punish Christians for practicing their faith. Here's conservative liar 
Todd Starnes, who called Bashir fascist and godless for trying to protect the public. I predicted that godless heathen Democrats would eventually pull a stunt like this. Folks, I tried to warn religious leaders that this was going to happen. If you give an inch, the godless leftists will shut down your churches, threaten to arrest your preachers, and quarantine your congregation. Okay. Oh my god. I don't even know where to start with this. Jesus Christ, he's an idiot, says Hemant Mehta. There's no atheist group celebrating the pandemic because it moves church services online. If Starnes thinks Bashir is going after Christians, then he ought to explain why it took a pandemic that shut down all mass gatherings for the plan to go into effect. It's not like mosques, synagogues, and book clubs are exempt from the rule. But it's easy to lie to Republicans by pretending Democrats hate Christians. That's true. They're usually... A lot of the time, extremist Christians are willing to believe just about anything about Democrats because um, churches engage in political discussion, even though they're not supposed to, and they keep their tax-exempt status through it anyways. By the way, not only is Bashir a Christian, he and his wife are deacons at their church. That's fascinating. So the governor who issued this order is a deacon at his church. And they're talking about the godless Democrats, the godless leftist Democrats. Senator Rand Paul also jumped in on the right-wing bandwagon. Taking license plates at church? Quarantining someone for being Christian on Easter Sunday? Someone needs to take a step back here. Okay, nobody's quarantining someone for being Christian. Um, they're quarantining them for gathering. You fucking fool. This dude has the virus. How is he taking this position unironically? This blows my mind. Kentucky governor announces plan to record license plates of Easter church goers and force them to quarantine for 14 days. Honestly, I think it's an extremely solid plan. If you want to go to church, be my guest. We're not going to jail you for it, but you are going to self-quarantine for 14 days after that. Honestly, it seems like a fair trade-off. You want to go to church on Easter Sunday Fine, but you will self-quarantine for 14 days after that. I am so... I couldn't possibly be more in favor of this plan. He's not saying he's going to jail them for going. He's saying he's going to make them self-quarantine afterward. Again, this isn't a plan to persecute Christians. It's a rule to prevent all mass gatherings for the sake of public health. I swear, anytime a neutral rule applies to Christians... Conservatives think it's only about them. They are very self-centered sometimes, aren't they? I would urge people to avoid church in general, but at least this weekend, avoid in-person services. Watch a service online. If you pray from home, God will still pretend to hear you. Yeah, it's a good point. Like I said, God is in here, not in here, right? God is supposed to be in your heart, not in a building. The building is just a place where people congregate. has nothing to do with whether or not God can hear you, according to a lot of Christians. Why go there and risk everyone's health instead of just praying at home or watching the service through Zoom like Jehovah's Witnesses are doing? It's absurd to me. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Anthony Fauci praising the gay community right in front of Mike Pence. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled, With Mike Pence Watching, Dr. Fauci Praised the Dignity of the Gay Community. Let me give you guys just a kind of a short overview of who Fauci is, okay? I'm unclear on his credentials. He's a PhD virologist, I think, and he's basically been leading the charge in the White House press briefings and... Basically, the, the U.S. effort to stop the virus from spreading. He's been talking a lot about social distancing, and he's been working with Dr. Burks, B-I-R-X. Been working with Dr. Burks a lot, providing models to Trump, advising Trump on what the best course of action is and 
why we can't take certain paths at this moment, things like that. So he's actually very widely adored at this immediate moment, Fauci is. There's a petition out at this moment to name him sexiest man alive. A dude's like in his 70s or 80s, but he is just adored right now. He is the shit. He is the leader in this struggle that the U.S. is depending on right now. So, And he's been working in this field of virology and pandemics and things like that for decades and decades. Now, we haven't seen anything quite like this in a hundred years or more, but we have seen epidemics. So smaller scale versions of what's happening right now with other illnesses. For example, Fauci was working on the HIV AIDS epidemic in various areas during the early days of the outbreak. So I think it came out originally in the 80s, the illness was discovered. And I could be wrong here, but I think it hit its peak in the 2000s, the 2010s. That's when the epidemic really hit full swing. It was a serious issue. HIV AIDS was. And this guy, Fauci, was working on it through the entire thing. To summarize what happened, I was watching the, pre the press briefing when, when this was said. Fauci basically said, I was working on the HIV situation when it was unfolding and i just have to tell you just like the courage and honesty of the gay community dealing with all of this it was so incredibly honorable and and well done just destroying the stigma behind it he's just praising the gay community as well he should and right in the corner right behind him there was mike pence and Pence, <laughs> Pence hates gay people. Pence hates them. Trump famously came out on stage one time and, and was talking about how Pence wanted to hang them all or something like that. It's like, holy shit, this is insane. So anyway, let's read the article. Like, It's really, really crazy how much Pence hates the LGBT community. Disturbing. So let's read the article and see what it says. If you've been watching the daily rallies thrown by Donald Trump in the guise of press briefings, then you may have enjoyed watching Dr. Anthony Fauci contradict much of what Trump says with facts and honesty. Unfortunately, Fauci has had to kind of keep it zipped on facts and honesty to some extent. I feel like Trump kind of muzzled him a little bit because he's going to fire him if he doesn't, you know, it, it's really not good. I feel bad for Fauci that he has to do it the way he's doing it. The director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases did it again yesterday, but this time Mike Pence was the one who was showed up. Fauci was talking about how COVID-19 is affecting African-American communities more than most, and he compared it to his work with HIV AIDS in the 1980s. Along the way, he spoke about how the response of the gay community, their incredible courage and dignity and strength and activism helped change the stigma against them. That couldn't have been easy for Pence, whose career has been defined by his bigotry against that same group. I was actually listening to it in my ear when it was going on, and I didn't get a chance to actually see Pence's face, but I can't imagine he had a smile on his face through it. This is, from, this is a tweet from C-SPAN. Fauci gave his address next to Pence, who has long been known for supporting anti-LGBTQ plus legislation and seriously mishandled an HIV outbreak in Scott County, Indiana, back when he was governor of the state. While the HIV AIDS epidemic continues to disproportionately affect queer, black, and Latino men and trans women, with an estimated 38,000 new HIV infections per year, the crisis peaked in the mid-1980s, when there were an estimated 130,000 new HIV infections. Pence's role as governor of Indiana was a prime example of how poor leadership can make an already bad situation far worse than it needs to be. Well said. While COVID-19 doesn't discriminate in who it infects, 
the reality is that it will disproportionately affect minority groups more so than the privileged for reasons that include a lack of access to affordable health care, a need to work even when it may not be medically safe to do so, and an inability to avoid interactions with strangers. If only this administration were willing to make necessary changes in health care and the minimum wage, the impact wouldn't be quite so hard. But Trump, Pence, and the GOP are poised to make the same mistakes they've made in the past. I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. That That is extremely on point. From my understanding, the models right now are showing that if we did nothing at all, if we just kept the country open and continued doing our thing as we were doing before, we would be looking at between two and three million deaths, I believe, and I think a 70% infection rate. On the other hand, if we did social distancing, contact tracing, all completely flawlessly, look at it this way. South Korea got their first case the same day we did, and they are almost completely out of the woods at this point. They traced down everybody that their cases had talked to, quarantined them. They did an absolutely phenomenal job. And look where the U.S. is right now. We may not hit two or three million deaths, but we could have hit 5,000 deaths from this, and it could have been over. That could have been a possibility if we'd done this the correct way with leadership that was worth anything at all. As it stood last week, we were looking at 200,000 deaths optimistically, I think. It looks like it's lowered. The model has scaled back some as a result of our social distancing efforts. We need to continue to do this. I think the model is saying between 60 and 100,000 deaths at this moment is what we're looking at. I don't really remember. Time will tell. Either way, I'm really not a fan of the leadership that we're dealing with at this immediate moment. I'm not a fan of the fact that we have to deal with the leadership that we have at this immediate moment while trying to wade our way through this. I wish we had a scientist at the helm that was actually controlling things and knew what they were doing. Dr. Fauci appears to know exactly what he's doing and know exactly what he's talking about and know how to solve this problem. But he's not really the leader right now, is he? Every decision that Fauci makes, he has to convince Trump that it's the right decision. And Trump has backtracked and backtracked like four different times at this point. Flip-flop, flip-flop. Pence honestly isn't a whole lot better. Although he would give direct leadership, Pence would. I don't know that I would want that leadership going the direction that it would go with him. So we're not in a great position at this moment. I'm just hoping we can see our way through. Let's take a look at Super Chats. I got a few Super Chats, so let's see what they say. Evan Inge, looking at the influence continuum, what do you think of the philosophical notion that free will is an illusion? If it is, how does that affect the influence continuum? That's a really, really interesting question. So free will, the way that religious groups use the term, is an illusion. It's a religious concept, not a scientific one. Free will is. But, oh God, this is a really complicated subject, and I feel like I'm not equipped to enter it at this immediate moment. We do still have some level of choice in the things that we say and do. And I've noticed that if I come out and talk about how I don't think the Watchtower Society is a force for good, and if I say these groups are destructive and harmful, then I can watch percentages change in how many Jehovah's Witnesses leave the religion, or how many people are destructively influencing people around them, I can watch those percentages change. So free will as religions present it is an illusion. It is a religious concept, not a scientific one. But we do have empirical data here showing that if I talk about this thing in this way, then this changes people's minds. So let's think about the most ethical way of doing that, basically. Big atheist. It's Isaac and Abraham, not Isaac and Joseph. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I That just was not coming to the forefront of my brain. Uh, my brain is just fried today, I guess. 
Evan Inge. Thought it might be relevant given it's Easter. Tooth Fairy and Easter Bunny, not Tooth Bunny. That's a filthy, straight-up lie, and you know it's a lie. It's the Tooth Bunny. It's the Tooth Bunny. The Tooth Bunny's got, like, all those giant teeth. That's the whole bit. It comes into your room at night and crawls under your pillow. How would a fairy crawl under your pillow? It's too big. It would have to be a bunny. It's a Tooth Bunny. And it takes your teeth... And it builds a giant tooth fortress out of it. I don't get why everybody thinks it's a tooth fairy. It's a tooth bunny. It's crazy. Anyway, next uh, super chat. Evan Inge again. These people would think it ridiculous if someone asked for a religious exemption from DUI laws, yet this is the exact same thing. Yeah, well said. Man, I 100% agree with you on that one. I feel like it's almost a lost cause sometimes, the the battle that I fight. I mean, not with cults. I feel like I'm making a lot of progress with cults, cult-like mindsets, because I get messages from people all the time saying, you helped me see things differently. You helped my mother. You helped my aunt, my cousin, my sister, my brother. You helped us find our way out of this harmful religion. You were the reason why. So I do feel like I'm making a difference there. But politics is such an ugly cesspool. It's like, I, I honestly feel like politics is just a complete lost cause in the US. I would really rather just move to Canada. I truly don't see the point in, in politics in the US even bothering anymore. I don't know how David Pakman, Kyle Kalinske, or any other left-wing commentators, I don't know how they don't just quit their jobs and move, seriously. Like, it's such an absurd, disgusting mess politics is. I don't know how people read news articles every day and keep up with the news every day and don't want to quit their jobs and move to another country. It's so gross. Politics, where empathy goes to die, pretty much. Anyway, tell you what, that's where I'm going to end it for the night. I appreciate you guys coming on, giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.